HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This program is made possible thanks to the generosity of our listeners. Show your support at heritageradionetwork.org slash donate. This week on Meet in 3, we look at the ways indoor and outdoor spaces are being reconceptualized during the pandemic to better suit new modes of living, working, and eating. Brought a vibrancy and an energy back to the city streets that was so dearly missed during the height of the pandemic. This is about how we can grow indoors all year round uh, using proprietary technology that we've developed. How do I have someone understand, look, don't take a next to the June berries because you can eat those. That's free food. Tune in to Meet in 3, HRN's weekly food news roundup, wherever you listen to podcasts. So you don't shun the devil with your rock and roll load. Knows that country music's gonna save your soul. The devil runs his groove in them rhythm and blues that sound. It's gonna get you sound in the air. Welcome back to the Speakeasy. I'm Souther Teague. And I'm Greg Benson. Hey, buddy. How are you? Oh, you know, I'm doing all right. How about yourself? Uh, man, so many balls in the air. So much juggling going on. It's uh, a difficult and emotional time. Um, we are uh, planning to uh, have a friends and family opening to the new um, iteration of Amoria Margot, which is just an expansion. The original Amoria Margot is still alive and kicking for now. Um, this weekend, so starting Friday and Saturday. Um, and additionally, because of course we had to close Mother of Pearl permanently, as well as my beloved Honeybees All-American Whiskey Bar permanently, uh, we are doing a sale right now to bolster our bottom line. We're selling all of the inventory because New York City's restrictions, New York State's restrictions are relaxed on that. So we can operate as a bottle shop, uh, basically like a liquor store. So uh, if anyone listening um, in the New York area wants to pick up some bottles, um, go to amoriamargo.com. Um, and then there's under the menu, there's a, a spot that says order online and it's got an entire list of our inventory from both mother of pearl, lots of cool rums, uh, some real, some, some standard stock items, of course, and a lot of real gems in there, a lot of four square stuff. Uh, and similarly, uh, honeybees is selling all of its, uh, all American whiskeys. So again, a lot of stock items in there, but, uh, several, several cool ass gems in there for competitive prices. Um, we just started the sale, uh, yesterday, uh, it's taking off really well. Uh, it's really going to help fortify us through what we perceive as going to be a pretty difficult winter. So, yeah, man. I mean, does it does it at least feel nice to be busy again? Like, I mean, forward momentum has been in such short supply these last seven months, and you know, I mean, we're 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 bar people. We're not truly happy unless we're stressed out all the time and constantly busy is that is there is what is it like basically to be back and and moving towards a goal again which is something that i I don't feel like a lot of us have done for a really long time um there are parts of it that feel uh, quite good um the sort of literal moving of the body um in in a sense of being busy you know we've been doing outdoor service since we've been allowed to do that and frankly it's the word busy never really surfaces you know we, we've now just taken to saying, you know, busy for COVID, um, which is still we're taking in on any given night half of the revenue that we would take in on that same night pre-COVID. So 50% revenue. Um, sadly, because of the nature of it, it takes us at least three times the labor to accomplish half the revenue. So it's a model that simply doesn't work. 
um, you know, we're, we're, we're sinking, we're just sinking slowly. I keep saying, you know, a lot of my colleagues and I just keep saying it was just a race to see who fails the slowest. Um, and we, we've done this crazy Hail Mary at Amoria Margo to expand it to the space next door and create a retail store and a secondary bar that's reservation only. But we feel that it's the new space is very conducive to the to the climate right now. You know, of course, it's it's built for social distancing currently. And the model that we're going to operate under, we feel, is built for, you know, uh, somewhat social distancing forever. Um, it's going to be reservation only. It's very spaced out. It's um, you know prefix, so you can pay in advance, and it's going to be a unique experience. And then the bottle, sh- uh, the the store out front can now operate at least until the restrictions are closed down. It can operate as a bottle shop, so we can sell amaros and spirits. We're still selling, of course, books, barware, and bitters. Um, we've got uh, bottled cocktails that we make. Uh, several of our you know um, uh, standards at Amore Margo, the a tomorrow Sazerac, the Sharpie Mustache, and the Deep Pompelmo. And then, of course, we're doing classics, the Old Fashioned, the Manhattan, the Negroni, some custom ones based on menu and availability of product. Um, so, you know, the shop is beautiful. I posted photos of that on my Instagram. You can go check them out. It's Creative Drunk um, or at Amori Margo's Instagram. Um, and, yeah, so second phase uh, of that is to get the, the bar open, which we're calling Amore Reserve or Reserve at Amore. I'm not sure how we're wording it exactly yet we'll figure all that as we go um but yeah to be in motion a lot for basically we're getting these orders which are came at us a lot faster than i expected frankly um we're getting these orders running down into the to the you know liquor room in the basement bringing them up and sort of lining them up on on uh, uh on a shelf uh with names uh and then people are coming to pick them up and it's it's great you know it's good to have people come in and say hey i bought a few bottles just to support you you know uh, you know especially a lot of again a lot of the items what we had lying around of course when we were unexpectedly closed are just stock items but people are like i'd rather buy it from you than buy it from you know my local uh liquor store because the liquor store has been you know really getting a lot of my money over the course of covid and i haven't gotten <laughs> got to give I haven't gotten to give any of it to you so trying to spread the the wealth you know of course we we're, we're not rooting for any liquor stores to go down but uh, we're, we're rooting for ourselves to stay up so yeah there's yeah. there's something satisfying to be you know hey we got another order run downstairs and pick it up you know uh, we did uh, a little over four thousand dollars in bottle sales just yesterday after we we launched this thing so uh, and then you know on there you can schedule when you're picking up so we've already got people scheduled to pick up all the way through the weekend so it's pretty um, gratifying to know that you've got people out there that are supporting you yeah, well, I mean, we're we're certainly coming into a. It's gonna be it's gonna be a weird weekend. Uh, traditionally, it's a big it's a big drinking weekend. Uh, you know, people will probably still be doing that for a lot of reasons this year. But I actually uh, related to that. I'm I'm so used to asking questions of our guests. I actually have a question I would like to pose to our listeners um, because I'm doing a little research for a uh, a Facebook Live event that I'm doing this Friday. I'm super excited. I'm doing it as sort of a a closing night party for a Commedia dell'arte uh, troupe here in in my hometown of Washington D.C. and uh, Commedia dell'arte is a very ancient and and cool uh, art form from Italy. It's a lot of slapstick. It's a lot of broad physical comedy. It's very funny. It's very ribald, and it's it's really is kind of the basis for a lot of you know the the Three Stooges. Marx Brothers, Bugs Bunny humor that exists today, um, but I'm I'm hosting a little party for them because they've been doing an online series all summer, and the last one is this coming Friday, right before Halloween, and so I started you know doing a little research. I wanted to do something about apple brandy, about you know the history of that distillation, some of the drinks. Uh, I'm going to be running a contest where I have a drink that I've been making for years with Calvados that I love, but I've never come up with a name for it. So there's going to be a cool contest where you can name the drink and win some sweet swag. But the question that I have, uh, I've been looking into this a little bit because it's spooky season and because I'm looking at the history of, you know, uh, uh, distillation and fermentation in the United States. And a lot of that for many centuries was done primarily by women and not by men. And I remember reading a few years ago, and and this deserves a great big Wikipedia citation needed on it. I remember reading a few years ago that the image that we have of witches with the tall hats and the brooms and the cats comes from women brewers 
in Europe because tall hats were sort of the, the, the trademark of people that worked in the brewing arts. The broom was used to, you know, keep, keep the place clean, but also to stir the wort and the cats kept the mice out of eating all the grain. And the thing that I'm curious about, if any linguistic whizzes listen to the show, is the Spanish word for which is bruja, which sounds a lot like brewing and brewery. And granted, there are lots of words out there that sound like other words and have nothing to do with them. But if anyone can let us know if those are the same, like come from the same root word, that would be awesome because I'm a huge nerd and I'm really curious about this. Yeah, seems logical, right? It Uh, does. It does. I'll ask Natalie. Maybe she knows. You know, she and her partner used to run a company called Bruja Collective. So maybe she's got some insight on the name. Ah, interesting. See, I, I mean, you know, listeners feel free to chime in, but uh, yeah. <laughs> the one listener I've got right here might already have a lead on it. Yeah, it all comes together, buddy. Yeah. Um, well, speaking of uh, ladies in the brewing distilling arts, um, who's, who's our guest today, Greg? Oh, today we are super lucky. Joining us uh, from... I, I, I actually don't know where you're joining us from, but I know that you're originally from uh, Queens in New York City. We have Bridget Fertile, who is the founder of Oni's Rum and more recently the founder of Rockaway Seltzer. Bridget, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, it's awesome to be here. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, where are you right now? Are you in the Rockaways? <laughs> I am not. I'm in Manhattan right now, um, but I'm headed to Rockaway tomorrow. So yeah. kind of like s- splitting... You know, my whole family's still in Rockaway. We're going to uh, spend like half the week with my mom in her ha- in her big old house, which is awesome and close to the beach. So, uh, like to temporarily, anyway, have the best of both worlds. Even though it's the upside down world of Manhattan and Southern Europe, <laughs> little intro there really was tearing at my heartstrings. Yeah, it's tough. Uh, uh, you know, not gonna. I, I you know, I kind of gave up the veneer of trying to, to make people think it wasn't tough. It's tough. Yeah. yeah. An, easy, an easy, quick piece about me, uh, and then I want to talk about you. It's your show, but uh, you know, uh, back in January, I I was a partner in, in five different bars. Today, I have one. Um, so you know, that's that's a dramatic change for for just uh, ten months, uh, and and frankly, that happened you know several months ago. We made those decisions. So, yeah, it's not cool. Um, but let's talk about you. You are a pretty fascinating person. You uh, you, you carry an MBA, um, and you worked on Wall Street for a while. Uh, yeah. But you worked in in, in consumer goods uh, and focusing a lot on uh, alcoholic uh, global alcoholic beverage brands. Talk about that a little bit, and then we'll we'll whittle our way to how you went from that to rum to seltzer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's been an interesting you know, 10, 15 years, whatever it's been. Uh, so yeah, I like my whole family has been in small business. So I definitely have like that entrepreneurial spirit in my blood and they kind of directed me towards business school, uh, came a little bit naturally to me. So after undergrad and grad business school with focuses in finance, went and got my job, got a job at a hedge fund as a research analyst and investor um, hired onto their consumer goods team and wound up developing a niche in global al- alcoholic beverages for the fund. So it was just something I like to eat and drink. And, you know, the, you know, the investments are pretty, um, you know, good returns, uh, good brands, good cash flow, all of those things from the big publicly traded guys anyway. And, uh, you know, I had uh, spent about five years doing that and kind of hit a hit a wall from a growth perspective personally and professionally at the fund and I was looking into getting into investing on the smaller scale with startups and small businesses and just basically doing some soul searching on what what was next and um, you know just opening up my mind you know coming up for air and opening my mind up to potential new avenues of growth and I guess over those like six to eight months, whatever it was, of networking and interviewing and thinking, I kind of had this aha moment while sitting at my desk at the hedge fund watching a TED talk. Um, And it was given by a um, professor at Stanford to MBA students talking about venture capital. And basically his thesis was, you know, what gives you the credibility to make investment decisions uh, on startups when you've never, you know, started a business or operated a business or you have no idea what it's like, you know, get out there, don't be afraid to fail, start a business and then come back to venture capital, 
you know, with that experience and you'll be so much more valuable. And it kind of just like, literally, it's kind of like silly to say out loud, but it really was in retrospect, like this aha moment where all of these like thoughts over the past, like six to eight months, previous six to eight months amalgamated in like, I'm going to bring rum distilling back to my hometown of New York. And of course, that was like from watching the trends in the resurgence of American distilling and loving rum and thinking that there was um, uh, an opportunity and there was a lack of American rum production occurring and the history of rum, especially in New York City, first distillery on record, as you guys know, in present day Staten Island in the 1660s. I was like, I'm young. I have some savings. I'm going to like ditch my apartment in Manhattan move back with my parents and like build a distillery and just like go for it. And like, you know, whatever, if, if it doesn't work, I can always just fall back on wall street again. So yeah, that was at the end of 2011. I packed up my uh, apartment and moved back to Rockaway in Queens. I was supposed to be for a year. I think I lived there for four years uh, before having enough money to move back out and get my own place again. Um, yeah, we, we, I say we, it was me, uh, alone for the first couple of years there, built a distillery on the east side of Williamsburg in Brooklyn and made a rum called Oni's, um, which I, you know, the vision was to make a funky, unique, um, white rum using interesting fermentation methods. Um, and that, you know, kind of led to a big strategic distribution partnership in 2017 with Proximo Spirits. And then um, I feel I feel like that 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 relationship had to be born out of your you know business savvy right. It definitely was. I kind of came, and I'm sure you guys have discussed this in various ways over the years on the show, but came to this hard realization that I really wanted Oni's to be a national brand. Um, I still do, of course, and I, as an independent sort of one skew company you know, was like, I can't do this by running around hand selling by myself. I have no power in a market that, you know, is a three tier system with big, big suppliers and big, big distributors. And I need some strength behind me. So I was a kind of at a crossroads. Like, do I go out and try to raise like a tremendous amount of money and execute, you know, build a sale, a real sales and marketing force in house, um, which would probably never be profitable. It would just bump the number, you know, use that capital to burn the cash, bump the volume numbers up, and then eventually probably lead to a sale. Or do I find some sort of broker or strategic, you know, partner? And that kind of happened uh, over the course of, you know, came to that realization kind of at the end of 2015, beginning of 2016, and then spent all of 2016 exploring options and came to what I found to be the best opportunity for the company and the brand by March of 2017 with Proximo Spirits. So yeah, I think it was a part of business savvy and part of what I had envisioned for the brand. Um, you know, there are plenty of small distilleries around the country that focus regionally or they do a tremendous tasting room business, but I really wanted to market um, and sell this, you know, outside of just, you know, New York City. Of course. Yeah. Yeah, you don't want to just sell in your own backyard. You want yeah. to get it out there. You want to get the message out there. Yeah. Um, well, man, that all sounds incredible. Uh, and then now you've 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 shifted gears tremendously. I'd like to mention in here somewhere that, of course, right about that same time that uh, Oni's was kicking off and you were getting getting it underway, uh, Forbes recognized you as one of their thirty under thirties. Zagat recognized you as one of their thirty under thirty. You were in vibe seventy five people to watch list. Like you're you're a powerful force out there. <laughs> Right, you're laughing because it's embarrassing when someone tells, when talks about, when someone talks about your accomplishments, right? It is, and it honestly, like, it was something that I, I, in a lot of, you know, again, this is kind of like business school 101. Like, I saved my original business plan because nothing, I mean, nothing in life, personally or professionally, ever goes as planned. But especially like when you're writing that initial business plan for the vision, a lot of the vision, the original vision, came to fruition, but. I had never in a million years probably like naively thought about press. Um, and, you know, I called this 
you know, rum onis because I was enamored with the history of rum running and Oni had an estate in Rockway. Again, my love for my hometown of Rockway Beach, Queens. And I wanted to incorporate rum running history and smuggling rum in from Havana and all of this stuff. And like, ultimately from the get go, the story really became about me. Um, and I, you know, there was no PR agency involved. I think I had a friend at the time at Gothamist who wrote like one little blurb and then that built on it on itself and it was like whoa so definitely super grateful and clearly embarrassed about all of that <laughs> stuff but um, it was definitely important for you know wound up being imperative for getting the brand out there and the recognition and and the credibility to get it to a point that it got to that it's going to hopefully even go way beyond you know anything I you know, got it too. Yeah. Well, uh, this seems like a good spot to stop uh, in your story and take a pause and hear from our sponsors here at Heritage Radio Network. We're going to come right back and keep talking to Bridget Fertile about seltzer. Stay tuned. All of us at HRN have been keeping busy despite working and recording from home. This fall, we're proud to announce new shows on the network that each bring important and enlightening stories to listeners around the world. While the world is in turmoil and the future of our country is uncertain, there are certain constants that help keep us going. For us, food and storytelling are essential. While we can't come together in person, food podcasts from HRN provide a virtual table we can all gather around. Bringing exceptional stories to your ears and keeping you informed on the ever-changing political and environmental issues of our time is integral to our mission. At a time when the world around us is rapidly changing, HRN is committed to being here for our listening community, and we need you to be here for us. Join our table and help ensure the future of food radio by becoming a member of HRN. Go to heritageradionetwork.org slash donate to make a contribution. Check out the latest additions to our lineup while you're there. You can see all of our series at heritageradionetwork.org slash new show. And we're back. You were listening to The Speakeasy on Heritage Radio Network. Uh, joining us today, we have Bridget Fertile. Uh, before the break, we were talking about your, uh, your, your rise to beverage stardom with Oni's Rum. And now let's talk a little bit about the, uh, the, the pivot uh, to making a non-alcoholic seltzer that's uh, further ingrained in the history of where you're from. And when... You were talking about a little bit before the break about saying the company, you were kind of walking us through the, I'm sure, difficult decision of like, what do I want the future of this brand to be? And what do I want my future to be? And I wanted to ask you how much of, was there a sense of, you know, I want a new challenge. I want to do something different. Like I don't, if I leave this, it didn't seem to me like I'm going to go out and do another rum ever entered your head. You wanted the chance to do something that you hadn't done before and push yourself. Was I, was my read right on that? For sure. I mean, as we were just talking about, uh, we solidified the strategic partnership and distribution relationship with Proximo in 2017. And I worked with them from 2017 to earlier this year um, to integrate the brand into their portfolio and scale it. And over those three years, because I had the support of you know, a much larger company. I had a little bit of time to sort of breathe. Um, as you guys know, like being in your own business, like it can be quite um, suffocating. It's, uh, it's rare. And, and, Coming and up for feels, air is a rare thing. <laughs> it feels like you're in a hamster wheel. So once I had like, you know, an opportunity to kind of even just like take a beat, one beat, um, I just started thinking about what was next. And it became pretty not apparent um but similar like you read about in any kind of academic theory about this there is a personality conflict between entrepreneurial types and big corporations um and 
that's not meant to be like negative. It's mainly just learning about myself over the, over the course of three years and what I wanted next and what was going to be challenging and really not knowing because Oni's was my first baby and will always be my first baby and was so much a part of my professional identity, but also my personal identity. Um, right. When you when you own a business, you become the business. Yeah. I, I don't so, I don't know that there's a, a separation between Amoria Margot and Southern Teague. You know no, what I mean? there, no. <laughs> not in <laughs> not in my eyes, and and frankly, not in not in the consumer's eyes. I am that place. That place is me. Like, yeah, For it's sure. hard. To, it's, it's, so yeah, you are Onis. And, yeah. So and then now became, you've pivoted. So what what are we what are, what are we now? Exactly. So I just think you know it took three years to figure it out, and I. I'm far from figured it out, but I figured out what I want to do for now um, and and sort of get my hands uh, dirty with a non-alc. Um, again, just like a little bit of an amalgamation of like balancing who I am, which is like one half loves bars and restaurants and food and booze. And the other half like tries to balance that with like health, wellness, better for you products so things I was consuming on the one half of like health and wellness all throughout the past eight years um, from, you know, trends in herbal medicine to functional beverages to, you know, kombucha, coconut, all of these things. I was just kind of watching what was happening and most recently came to learn about adaptogens and herbal medicine and those kind of ingredients being used in um, non-alcoholic beverages and I was intrigued about it and thinking about it, taking a lot of thought over the past couple of years to kind of just bottle my other essence, the other essence of my personality sort of in a can, um, which again, inspired by my hometown, which is Rockaway Beach, Queens, which is uh, such a unique place because it's a city, it's a city beach. It's a beach on the Atlantic Ocean in New York City, so it's where the streets meet the beach, and it's really a one-of-a-kind place. Um, and also, you know, using these ingredients that were kind of are on, are on the up and up to create a functional aspect to these sparkling waters, sparkling beverages, seltzers, um, what have you, that are in the better for you category. So, I like to think of the mission as like I call it a dual by dual mission, uh, duly functional. So. It's duly functional in the fact that it's better for you. Two of the SKUs are every day, like anti-inflammatory, anti-immunity, all natural energy, um, you know, anti-anxiety. So health and wellness. It's also better. Uh, it's also functional because it um, goes towards saving the ocean. So as a member of 1% for the planet, 1% of our gross sales um, go to Surfrider NYC, which is the local chapter of Surfrider, and they combat climate change, they mitigate plastic pollution, um, all the things for the ocean, again, tying back to our hometown, and then duly accessible. So it's accessible from both a flavor profile and a price point. Um, I felt a lot of the beverages in the category were super niche um, from a flavor profile and also inaccessible to a wider audience from a price point. So that's kind of like where I'm going after the market opportunity. And again, this all sort of started as a passion project, uh, something to do on the side. And as it's come to life, it's become more and more um, exciting to me, and I think that there's a tremendous opportunity. So I'm excited to kind of see where it goes. Well, that's I mean that's one of the most exciting things about a passion project is if you know once you once you get into it and once you hit a groove and once you find that you know it's not just something that you're pouring effort into and not getting anything back out of, but that there's almost this like it it feels like uh, like. Be, being in a canoe on a river and like all of a sudden the water starts moving faster and faster and faster and there's a sense that you're just kind of like this thing that you're on is being pulled by all these other forces that that want it and want to enjoy it along with you you know totally and I and I didn't see it coming to be honest I I, I mean again doing this in the midst of wildest year uh I didn't foresee <laughs> this like fire in my soul again it's it's been a feeling that's that I haven't had in a while to be honest you know since starting Oni's and like starting Oni's driven by the vision was in the hamster wheel 
you know, working myself towards executing that vision, then got a partner, was a little bit relieved or a lot of it relieved in terms of like, um, you know, everyday hustle, uh, had a bit of a, had a bit of a cushion there. Um, and so, you know, long story short, it's, it's exciting to have that, like that drive and excite, you know, passion again for something. Yeah, talk yeah. about talk about some some of the sort of R and D side. How how did you get to to these flavors? And then talk about maybe some of the differences between dealing with the with you know alcohol and and how probably I'm guessing much easier it is to deal with non alcohol. Yeah, for sure. So um, from the you know recipe development formulation perspective, I coincidentally enough, again, small world or just like sort of putting yourself out there for a while. Uh, a good friend of mine from high school and college was in the beer business. Um, he had a mobile canning line for craft breweries and he turned it into a more permanent um, co-packing facility upstate in Saratoga. And he's doing just, and we've just been in touch as friends over the years. Um, you know, he, he cans a lot of non-alc and also some canned cocktails up there, which is super cool. Um, and he connected me with uh, a guy he works with semi-regularly who's a consultant in the industry. So um, he was nice enough to, or nice enough and nice enough to work with to, um, you know, help me bring the vision to life from a, from a recipe perspective. So I knew sort of the, some of the adaptogen and the adaptogenic herb and the ingredients that produce like functional benefits that I wanted to use. So we started with those and like what they do for the body. And then we kind of started with those flavor profiles. And honestly, a lot of the like actual juices and overall, um, flavor profiles of each of the each of the cans comes from my experience with beverages and rum specifically in terms of cocktail development so <laughs> sure, like go, go, with, go with what you know <laughs> pineapple you know pineapple gin we knew we wanted to use the, the health benefits of ginger and i know from making rum cocktails pineapple goes with ginger people like that i know it's sold on cocktail menus so you know, and it's also my own flavor profile, like pat my own palate, what I, what I personally like, which is a huge risk. This was the same thing with Oni's, right? Like I made a rum by myself to my taste, hoping somebody else might like it. So it, in a way I'm doing that again. Um, but I did have the, um, consultation services of, of somebody else. So part functional, part what I think the consumer will ultimately like a little bit influenced by a beachy vibe with pineapple, watermelon, guava, um, blueberry for the berry hibiscus, you know, obviously blueberries are very functional, um, fruits. Um, yeah. Who did you, or is this just knowledge you already had, or who did you consult with to find out the, what was the word? Aptogenic, uh, qualities, adaptogenic qualities in these, in these, uh, various fruits Uh, and herbs. it was just something I, I mean, had been following personally for a while um, in like herbal medicine and, um, you know, other beverages that I had been observing. And then I did work with this uh, consulting agency called the Guard Agency. Um, it's basically a one man um, band and he's has uh, plentiful experience in back office ops and flavor development for a number of beverages out there in the market. So him and his flavor house helped me with um, you know, finalizing all of those things. And, and a lot of these herbs and, um, you know, ingredients are still just becoming known in the marketplace to a smaller consumer. So hopefully we're just at the beginning of kind of iterating on these. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, one of the, one of the questions I was going to ask you in this interview was, you know, what, what prompted the shift from making a very, high, you know, I mean, not like rocket fuel, but you know, it's a, it's not, it's not beer. It's a distilled spirit. So it's pretty high ABV to something that is totally non-alcoholic, but listening to you talk, it almost, it's, it makes perfect sense. I feel like I don't need to ask the question anymore because, you know, you were talking about being in this very competitive, very kind of like head down, you know, work, work, work every day thing to, to make, realize your vision with Oni's. And, you know, I'm looking at your website for Rockaway right now, and I, I feel 
like I'm at the beach. Like it's very yeah. much kind of focusing on taking a step back and focusing on putting stuff into your body that's going to be good for it and relaxing and restorative. And, and it seems like that sort of mimics your, um, the, the trajectory that your life has taken in, in the beverage world. Right. And, and to be honest, like, you know, again, back to balance, these adaptogenic herbs, like help balance your body and like try and achieve in theory, you know, homeostasis on like a, you know, variety of levels. But like, that also just goes back to like my personality of like, okay, like I'm drinking a coastal immunity right now. And like, you know, in an hour or two, I'm going to have a glass of wine, you know? So it's, it's kind of just like trying to weigh out like what's going on, um, in your body and, you know, in your mind. And these also, by the way, make really good mixers. Uh, (laughs) so, you know, it's, it's a pivot for sure out of alcohol, but like, I'm never going to say I'm never getting back into alcohol at some point. Um, but it's been really cool. Again, I think Souther, you were asking this, uh, a few minutes ago, just to, from a business perspective, to be out of the liquor game has been, and it's only been three or four weeks and we're only digital right now. And we're, you know, lined up for traditional retail distribution, Jan one, um, at least in New York city Metro and long Island. But, um, you know, it feels already that you can touch the consumer a lot easier um, just because I can sell direct. I can sell through my website. I can make a wholesale price for this account and make a different one for that account and make deals that are legal and like not just sort of blindly sell pallets into a distributor, not get any information from the liquor distributor, not really understand where those bottles are going and how they're being used. And like, at least for now, I mean, we're in the nascent stages with Rockaway, but like just, it already feels like there's just so much more control over like where the cans are going, how much money you're spending behind each activation, so on and so forth within, you know, within liquor, there's so much regulation. It's just really, well, really so much regulation to do that. So much regulation and so many different regulations, depending on where you are. I assume that non-alc is, is, is the same in New York as it is in Iowa, as it is in, in Texas, right? For sure. whereas, that, whereas that's simply not true with alcoholic beverages. There are rules, there are ABV requirements, where you can and where you can't sell, how you can distribute, all the things you just said, what you can and can't give to people. You can't give them different prices. Dealing with distributors, if they don't know about your product, they're not going to be inclined to push it. But, you know, these are products that... that that kind of push themselves in a, in a strange way or you can push them harder without, I, I just see it being as so much easier um, to, to get the product in front of people, you know, lower, lower bar, bar of um, entry for purchasing price. Like there's just so much opportunity. Right. Like, you know, we have a, a, distri- a small distributor lined up for January, for example, in New York and they cover, I don't know, let's say 500 accounts. But that doesn't preclude me from, like, also signing on with, like, a beer distributor or a liquor distributor, as we said, like, mixers or, like, alternatives to um, booze and the on-prem. Like, it doesn't – there is no exclusivity. I can also sell direct from my website. There are just multiple avenues for distribution and sales and, like – which I think ultimately will make it more – maybe a potentially more competitive. There's, like, a little bit of a lower barrier to entry. Um, but it also isn't playing with like the super, um, you know, big suppliers and big distributors, um, that liquor and that liquor industry, um, you know, compromises. Right. And then I think the second thing that's fascinating to me is that with Oni's, you came out with just the one mark, as you said, you were, you're one skew. Um, but this you're launching with how many? Six? Four. 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 Okay. Four. Yeah. Um, it, you know, again, you got just an, it's just an easier path to 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 market. So you can you can start off with more marks than than I think you can with other with dis- distilled products, right? Or oh, at least for little, sure. At least a lot it's easier. Like, when I first started doing like real research, when I decided I wanted to 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 take to get this off the ground, I was just like laughing almost. I'm like, wait, there are no rules about this. Yeah. <laughs> like, it, <laughs> I was like, like working with consultants, and I was like, wait, are you tricking me? Like, I am I gonna get like in trouble for this and like all of this stuff? They're like, no, no, you can put this, that, the other thing. I'm like, what? Uh, so it's just it's 
been an interesting ride so far and it's like hasn't even started yet really so right so you mentioned the you launched during covid times and what's what's your distributor distribution like at this point or has it really gotten out there at all yet it hasn't so the plan was always like again i just kind of went with my vision for this year before it started falling apart uh just stayed the course because i didn't know what else to do and it was just like let's just keep surrendering to whatever's happening so the plan always was to launch um online um the last day of summer so we did um at, you know meet that goal which was september 21st again sort of to complement the brand um and the the aesthetic and the inspiration of the home play, of the hometown um and to just stay digital for the end of the year obviously like similarly to liquor you know October, you know, OND, October, November, December, no one's really doing anything, right? It's like everything's in place and whatever's been distributed is just getting reorders. No one's looking at new, new products. So the plan was always to um, distribute digitally and sell digitally and try and trial and get some feedback from the consumer um, through online sales to see if things needed to be tweaked. Um, and then, you know, work towards tweaking them for 2021 and also line up traditional um, up and down the street uh, retail distribution, which we have done, as I mentioned, for January and just solely focus on New York and sort of getting as deep, as wide and as, as deep as possible here. Uh, but of course, like consumer behavior has changed a lot. Um, <laughs> So, you know, a lot of the a lot of the traditional ways of like launching a brand are not available in terms of like similar to liquor and like a lot of product, you know, consumable consumable products like event sponsorships, activations, even like in-store samplings. People are running in, grabbing trusted brands and running out. So, you know, a lot of those even like sales calls aren't being done traditionally. So, you know, we have this distribution lined up for January and we're just going to kind of roll with the punches. Um, and I think this time around with like running a business, I'm going to try to the extent possible just to be a little bit more nimble, which is going to be just by nature of how this business model is working so far is, is going to be a bit easier than with Oni's because like with Oni's I had a physical distillery and a plant to run and manufacture with this I've outsourced a lot of it to like agencies so you can sort of dial back spend or you know pump you know pump gas into some avenues and and try to pivot with what the outside world is telling us right and I, th I feel like so many more opportunities for that with non-alcoholic as we've talked about so much more uh or so much less restrictive on how you do your business so currently i looked uh on your website uh i got there through your um instagram page which is drink rockaway right on instagram yeah and i yeah. see that uh, i saw that on the website there's a a, a shop button and you, you ship everywhere in the united states and you're even offering like a subscription you want to talk about those yeah. things yeah, so we're offering free shipping nationwide. So that's also one of the cool things. Like we're available nationally off the bat, again, through the internet, but still like to get to that level um, in, in other, in other markets is like impossible. You know, no, no, it's literally impossible. No one launches, <laughs> no one launches that. You can't get something everywhere on day one. That's just not a thing. <laughs> totally. So, uh, you know, we, and also to be quite frank with you, the the um online the web st store i guess is uh basically a means to get exposure and to generate trial it's uh hard to see how scalable it's going to be it costs a lot of money to ship heavy cans yeah so in order to like get to the price like we're at 249 a can basically at our what we suggest you buy, um, which is a 16 pack, 249 a can, that includes shipping. At retail, our suggested retail price, like in store, will be a dollar ninety nine, um, and we'll make more profit off the dollar ninety nine cans. So it's a it's a volume game ultimately. Um, but well, also uh, also I assume you're playing the game to do what you said to get it in front of people. Like you're you're eating a little bit totally. of the cost 
uh, lowering your margin pretty considerably, but to get it in the hands of someone in Cleveland, Ohio, or someone in you know, uh, I don't know Des Moines, Iowa. I always pick on Des Moines. I don't know why I've never been there. Um, <laughs> I don't think you get, can now. I don't think. Yeah, they I, think that, I, don't, I don't think they want to. I you said about them on their show. I, I do throw a lot of shade at Des Moines. I don't know why, uh, but you <laughs> want to get these cans in front of people so that they can taste them. Uh, so you're oh, willing right. to take that hit in the beginning, and then an eventuality will be you wouldn't be necessarily shipping directly from yourself. You'd say, hey guy in Des Moines who used to order for me all the time, there's a store right next to you that carries it now. 100%. So, and so in the interim, as we kind of grow that, I wanted to offer um, the digital consumers a monthly subscription because it gives them, it guarantees me volume, essentially. I mean, you can cancel, you could sign up for a monthly subscription and cancel it at any time. It doesn't lock you into anything, but it gives me visibility into volume and how many cans I'm going to sell. And again, it's more of a volume game than Oni's was. Um, and it also like gives the consumer um, a discount for committing to you know 32 cans a month, and of course like I'm thinking that is more like spread across um, multiple members or two you know a couple or a family uh, each month. So just wanted to offer a variety. Again, the cool thing about this is like if no one's buying monthly subscriptions, I can take it off the website. So or like already it makes sense. I think if I recall off the top of my head, like an eight pack of any individual flavor is winds up to be like $4 and change a can. And if you buy a 16 pack, it's $2 and 49 cents. And really like, it doesn't make a difference to me what you buy. It just obvious because of the shipping costs. So obviously, you know, buying 249, buying 16 cans of 249 is much better deal than $4 and 12 cents a can. And to me, it's the same. So. Yeah, thirty-two cans of delicious seltzer a month—that's just barely over one can a day. Like that's yeah. Seems, and seems, if you're sharing it in amongst like a household or a roommate situation or whatever, yeah. it, you know. Or your neighbors. I mean, people are getting together and doing a lot of things together. Crazy during COVID, right? For sure. And so what we've seen so far, like, and what what I expected because we were like five weeks into sales, is like most of the purchases have been combo packs where you get four cans of each variety. Um, and I expected that people try them and then ultimately come back or ideally come back, um, and either continue just buying combo packs or decide, Hey, I only like, all right, my favorite is the pineapple ginger. That's what I consume the most. I'll buy 16 of them or I'll get a monthly subscription of them. Yeah. So, right. Pretty cool. Seltzer yeah. subscription from Rockaway. Yeah. Um, so I already plugged your Instagram, uh, drink Rockaway, uh, all one word on Instagram. You got any other, if anybody wanted to get a hold of you, is that the best way? Um, yeah, I'm currently answering, you know, again, it's like the more things change, the more they stay the same. I'm currently uh, answering um, all the direct messages there, but I'm also um, have my own personal Instagram handle, which is Bridget, B-R-I-D-G-E-T-C, Fertile, F-I-R-T-L-E. Um, you can get me there or same name on LinkedIn. Fertile is a very rare name. Um, I think um, my family is the only one in the country that has it. So you should be able to find me easily on any of those platforms. Awesome. Well, this has been a pretty fascinating talk. Thanks for spending some time with us. It's, um, it's great to hear that people are pivoting into things that are driving their passions even during these pretty difficult times. Yeah, um, it's. Uh, I really appreciate being here. It's always like so fun to be on your show, and it's been a, it's been a uh, full circle experience. Now I look forward <laughs> to the next time. You know, I know. hopefully under yeah. hopefully under better circumstances. Yeah, we have to have to start another new company, and then we'll have you back on. Yeah, <laughs> that's all. It's pretty easy. Yeah. It's pretty easy to get on the show. Um, <laughs> No, we'll have you back on. We can have you in the studio, and we can drink some of this pineapple yes. ginger seltzer with some rum, and have a piece of yes. pizza. Like, oh, yeah, you know, like that no, sounds fabulous. <laughs> quote unquote normal life, <laughs> if it if it ever resumes, you know, I'm, oh. I'm to the place now where I'm curious if this is it. You know, is this is this as good as it gets? See, when Damon's not around, when Damon's not around, I'm the downer. <laughs> these, yeah, when Damon's, these, he, 
he keeps me up. He's the he's the he's the silver lining. I'm the dark cloud. These past like two weeks or even this week, it's like so dreary in New York City, and like there's a real chill in the air, and all I want to do is like cozy up to like a warm bar and have a cocktail and like. Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the different days. Um, well, uh, again, Bridget, it's really lovely having you on again, uh, and wishing you all the greatest success. And I, you know, I think I'm gonna go on here and maybe subscribe to some some seltzers. Uh, yeah. So I can so I can drink some more interesting highballs all throughout COVID. I've just been using my Soda Stream and and whatever spirit I have, I've been keeping in the freezer and just making highballs because, you know, it's minimal effort to do that because you know I have water, I have uh, ice in my freezer, and I've got the the spirit. So, uh, you know, I don't go. have to have any juices or syrups or any weird stuff. So it's really gotten me through COVID. But this looks like a welcome change of taste uh, and flavor. So I'll check them out. Get some adaptogenics, man. You'll be the yeah. sun, you'll be the sunshiny one next time. Oh, yeah. great. <laughs> change, my whole, I, change my whole attitude. And Southern, I'm definitely going to come and check out the new, the new spot. Oh, yeah, please do. Uh, um, yeah. It's, it's uh, I, you know, I, I, I know that my voice doesn't sound super excited like I would when I was opening other places, but it's because I'm not choosing to do this. I'm being forced to do it. And I'm, yeah. you know, I'm quite nervous. I'm quite nervous about whether it's going to. It's either gonna, you know, sink us or, or swim us, and I'm, you know, uh, it's, you know, we're we're cutting, we're on the razor's edge. We're running out of money to finish the project, and we're hopefully getting it open by this Friday. And the weather's getting cold, so we're running out of time to do outdoor seating. So, it's like ra- racing two different clocks. It's it's quite nerve wracking, but uh, yeah, <laughs> come check it out. <laughs> um, come on down and check it out. <laughs> I'll hide in the back so no one has to see me. Um, uh, well, thanks so much again for being on the show and taking the time out of your day. Um, Greg, why don't you take us out? Sure, absolutely. Well, that is it for us here on the Speakeasy on Heritage Radio Network. Go to heritageradionetwork.org to check out many more fine shows just like this one. But for now, uh, especially this weekend until we catch you next Wednesday, uh, stay well, stay safe, and we will see you again. Thank you so much. Cheers, everybody. Cheers, everybody. Cheers. So you don't shun the devil with your rock and roll load Knows that country music's gonna save your soul The devil runs his groove in them rhythm and blues That's him It's gonna get you some in the end The Speakeasy is powered by Simplecast Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network Food radio supported by you For our freshest content and to learn more about our 10-year anniversary celebration happening all year long Subscribe to our newsletter Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com forward slash heritage radio network. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows that you like. Tell your friends. And please, Join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.